Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hi, guys! Hello! Kate, I don't know what it is. You sound louder. Yay! (laughs) Hopefully you guys really heard Kate that time. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so today we are diving into another acronym, SHOCKER. Um, and this is, um, an acronym that is seven letters long. (laughs) I feel like I'm giving people like, brace yourself, everyone. Um, seven letters. So, you know, I think back to please, please was how many? Six. So this is our longest acronym so far. Yeah. Um, so this is a big, a big, big, big distress tolerance skill. And the name of the skill is accepts. So that's what we're going to be getting into today. And like we've done with all the other acronyms, and like we're going to continue to do with the acronyms that come after this, um, we're just going to break it down letter by letter with what each letter stands for and what each letter means. But it's really important before we get into talking about what each of the different letters in accepts stands for. I mean, just what this skill is really about, <laughs> like <laughs> what it is, when would you use it, why would you use it, um, all of that. So I'll share some of my thoughts on that. And then, um, Kate, if you have stuff to add on, feel free to jump in at any point or I'll turn it over to you at the end. But so with accepts, because I think we talked about this already a little bit and talking about just what distress tolerance is about, which is when there are situations that are outside of your control What can you do to make tolerating these situations a little easier? How can you take care of yourself? And accepts is really all about distraction. Now, I think it's important, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit as we go through the different components of it, but I think sometimes, at least I find for myself, it's really easy to just be on autopilot with distraction like if I want to distract myself I just go on my phone and scroll through Facebook Um, or I just go on my phone and I play on an app or something which is fine (laughs) but there are (laughs) I don't know it's um there's so many different and I guess you could say better um, more constructive more intentional there's so many different ways I could think of to phrase it just more there's like a wider variety of ways that you can distract yourself 
and to have it be something that actually feels like it's maybe getting the job done. In the sense of like, I don't know about you, but if I just decide to scroll through Facebook for an hour, I don't really feel much better or worse <laughs> from that experience. Like, I feel about the same going into it as I did coming out of it. Sometimes I even feel worse because I'm not actually giving myself what I might need to truly distract myself from the thing that's causing me stress. I'm not really giving myself a genuine break from it. Um, if I really think about it, I'm turning away from it for a little bit, but I'm not really actually taking care of myself in the way that I'm trying to distract myself. So accepts is really about how you can distract yourself in a way that's also taking care of yourself and to again, really picking from these seven different options something that you really want to choose that can be hopefully a helpful way to just give your mind a break from focusing on the stressful thing at hand so what are what are your thoughts about accepts kate um well my other i think you mostly summarize what i would say the only thing i would add is i think there's a big difference you kind of touched on this but between like I don't know, mindless yes. distraction and mindful distraction. So mindless distraction, I feel like it's sort of at best hitting pause on whatever's going on for you. Maybe not even that. It's like you're not experiencing the break because you're so turned out, tuned out, right? Um, and so, like, you know, Michelle was saying about making this something you choose, which I think is really important but also be present to the thing you're doing, right? It's not so much about zoning out uh, into any of these things. This is about, this isn't even a phrase, but I'm doing it anyway, zoning in um, on whatever these things are. So that's that's kind of what I, I think about it. You know, we, we're all distracted an unfortunate amount of the time, um, but that doesn't always make it a skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I really like that you emphasize that, actually, because, yeah, it's, I think sometimes we just think about distraction as, well, let me turn away from the thing that's stressing me out, but accepts is really about, okay, what are you going to turn towards to take, to actually take care of yourself? Um, so that's, that's a really good differentiation there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's get going with it. Okay. Why? I feel like I have to clear my throat a lot today. So, pardon, pardon me, listeners. <laughs> I sound very pretentious every time I go to talk. <laughs> <laughs> like you're preparing for a speech or something? No, I don't know what is in the back of my throat, but I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, so, the A for accepts stands for activities. Um, this one, I think, is the one that's sort of closest to what we're probably doing mindlessly an awful lot of the time. Um, because this one's so broad, right? It'd be, in fact, a lot of the ones we're going to discuss in the other letters could technically also be lumped in under activities. Um, the idea really is to do a thing, and to do a thing, though, that does require using your brain enough that you're not, you know, like we were talking about, not zoned out, but more zoned in. Um, so these are things that maybe you need to concentrate a little bit harder to engage in, um, or maybe something, you know, like a hobby where it both uses your brain and maybe also you just get some inherent pleasure from engaging in it. Um, but, you know, just broadly speaking, this is do a thing 
what you know that uses your mind enough that you are not mired in uh, whatever the distress is, right? This uh, diverts your brain, right? This diverts your attention um, to something else. Uh, so, I don't know, Michelle talked about like scrolling through Facebook. Um, I certainly have a couple of game apps on my phone, right? Those are probably not <laughs> gonna be the things you wanna go to for this activity because they don't, they're very passive. Um, it's not that there can't be things that you take in passively that might count, but you're not, it's not really engaging your brain that much, right? <clears throat> if you were, I don't know, watching an educational video, right? Technically that's passive, you're taking something in, um, but it's engaging your brain enough that you're not just sort of, I don't know, slack dog drooling watching something uh, on, the, on the screen, something like that. So yeah, activities, uh, do a thing, do a thing that you need an amount of concentration and focus in order to manage doing it. Um, and bonus points if it's things that, you know, ideally it's things that you find engaging, that you find pleasant. Um, so hobbies, games, etc. Yep. Any extra thoughts on that one, Michelle? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the main thing that stands out about activities is the active part. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to be anything, like, super physically exerting. For some people, it might look like that. Um, for me, I would say, like, something that I do that would fall under activities for me would be going to do a Zumba class. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I guess I like watering my plants or baking. Those are both things that involve an amount of moving. Yeah, yep, exactly. You're, it's not like, you know, and we don't even like the term formal exercise, but I mean, you're, you're moving your body. Like you're on your feet, you're engaged with something, and you use that term engagement a few times, which is really important. I, yeah, I'm trying to think about things like I have a client who loves to garden. Um, you love, you love to garden too, <laughs> Like, <laughs> I think that's why people like that so much. It's a really, consuming activity you know my husband loves to fish I also like to fish though I'm still quite a bit of a newbie at it um but that's something active you know so it's picking yes like Kate said you know it can be something that you do sitting on your couch I mean reading would count as this sure you know lots of yeah, things can count as this like you like to do. yes I love my puzzles um <laughs> so yeah there's lots of things that could fall under this but um Something that either involves, yeah, using your brain or using your body. <laughs> what are the two? Phones stuff doesn't really involve that too much. And some people might argue like, well, I have this app that really, really uses my brain. I mean, sure, those things exist, but maybe try Learning to push yourself. Language on your phone, I guess that could count, right? That could totally count. Lingo or whatever on their phone, that could be a thing. But yeah. There's some side, some fringe. Some yeah, examples. yeah, exactly. Oh, not most things we're mostly doing most of the time. Yep. <laughs> Try to get up off your off your couch. I had another client who recently talked with me about like how much she enjoys just like cleaning out her truck. Like, yeah, like <laughs> just feeling that sense of fulfillment with I don't know, I may be weird, but I also get a sense of fulfillment from like cleaning my house. Um, I find that pretty distracting. So, you know, whatever it can be, and I think back to I don't remember how long ago I posted it. Maybe it's worth posting again. The pleasant events list that was put up in the Facebook group a while ago, I think for please maybe? Or no, ABC. That's what we did it for. Um, but you know, that may be something to look back at and try to pick something from there as an activity you can do. Fair. All right, on to the first C, Michelle. The first C, yes, there are two C's in accepts. You can, and again, like I think a lot of 
It's weird because with some DBT acronyms, they're meant to be done in an order, like with STOP, right? First you do the S, then you do the T, then you do the O, etc. Accepts is not like that. Accepts is like a menu type of skill. You can pick whatever you want in any order. Um, so a buffet. A buffet. Ooh, yes. That's perfect. A buffet of DBT skills. Yes, exactly. Um, so the you know this just happens to be the first C, which is contributing. That's what it stands for. So. Contributing can look a lot of different ways, but basically the main essence behind it is that when we are contributing or giving to others in some way, this can be pretty distracting. <laughs> We're focusing on that experience with that other person, and that can be something that really takes up our full attention, again, hopefully in a way that's really positive. Um, I don't know about other people's experience with volunteer work, but whenever I have done volunteer work, um, it is, it is very, very, very distracting for me. Um, I'm really focused on the task at hand and what I'm doing in that moment. Sometimes it tends to be kind of faster paced depending on what you're doing to contribute. But this can either look on that broader scale or more formal formal way of volunteering or contributing to an organization or a cause that you really care about. Contributing can look like that. It can be something that you do on a regular basis like every week or every month. It can look that way. It can also look like a one-time thing. It can look like helping out a friend or a family member when they have a need, like helping with childcare or bringing someone groceries or contributing can look like that. Um, it can also look like you can do it from your own home sometimes, though admittedly probably won't be as distracting as getting out of your house and out of your typical environment. But you can spend time online looking into a cause that you really care about or figuring out if you can and if you want to donate money where you can do that. And just focusing our energy outside of ourselves can be really helpful. And I think sometimes with contributing again, because we're speaking about this in terms of distress tolerance, um, that it can be something where people might be like, well, I don't have much you know, in the tank to give to other people. I'm going through something really stressful. I need other people to be giving to me. I can't give to other people. And I think it's really important that you do it in a way that feels manageable <laughs> for you, that feels doable, and is not going to overly tax yourself. But this can be really helpful. And I think sometimes, too, this can also be really healing to contribute to somebody who's maybe struggling with something that you're currently struggling with. Um, but, you know, this can be something like, you know, I hear about when people have maybe gone through something with cancer or like some other type of, you know, serious illness. And then whether they're still in it or whether they're, you know, they've gotten a, 
they're, uh, what's the term I want to use? They're in trans, they're in, um, not trans, <laughs> remission. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> I was like, they're in transition. No, they're in remission. Um, sorry about that. Um, but you know, whether you're in it, whether you're in a current struggle or you're on the other side, finding people who are in that struggle with you and how you can give maybe a little bit to them can be really healing. So contributing, I mean, it can look like so many different things. I hope I'm giving um, some good examples there to get people's minds going of what it could look like for them personally. But it's so, it can be so helpful and it can really take us out of our own experience temporarily, which can <laughs> be something that we need sometimes of like not just focusing on all the shit that's going wrong in my own life, but how can I focus on helping some other person's shit be a little less <laughs> that that can help i don't know about you michelle but for me our job does that a lot <laughs> oh yeah i would agree with that yeah i'm like oh, i'm really depressed but hey i can help a bunch of clients with depression today and that helps me feel a lot better <laughs> yeah no kidding um, yeah so that's the thing also when you were talking about like the cancer or whatever i don't know this is a similar thought but just a little bit sideways like if the distress you're having is maybe that you just lost someone Mm -hmm. to a disease or something helping other people or other families who, are, who have lost someone I think that's another way that that can go um and then kind of my last thought was just even like the smallest possible version like I mean grant you you know in the time of you know COVID things are weird and maybe you're not doing this but you know when you're moving if you're going out through your day just being like you know what I'm going to focus today on like being present to the possibility of helping others Right, so whether that be opening doors or helping someone, you know, like if you're passing someone in the, I think, grocery store parking lot, like putting away their cart for them, or, you know, like, uh, if you can, I mean, not everyone can financially, but, you know, buy the coffee of a couple of people behind you in line, right? You know, things like that that are just little ways of giving, little ways of contributing throughout your day um, can be another way that this could look. Yeah. Kind of my yep, yeah, fantastic. Perfect examples. Cool. Now we're on to the second the C. The second C. Oh, all right. So you could do it, Kate. <laughs> Disclaimer. This one's tricky. <laughs> because it, to me, is in, like, the top three or five DBT skills that can easily go awry. Yeah. Um, it can be very polarizing, I feel like. People either really like this one or they hate this one. Well, they like it or hate it or they... <laughs> people just really struggle to using these words but quote unquote do it right yeah that's like, true if done wrong it becomes a tool of shame yes rather than a tool of helping yourself feel better so uh the second c stands for comparisons and the basic idea is to look at maybe someone you actually know or just other people uh in the world um who are in a worse situation than you're in um, so that, I guess there's two flavors. So I'll go through this one first, which is comparing yourself to other people, right? This is, so the idea is to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm going through some hard shit right now, but also I can look out into the world or even look at this friend or this family member and see that their time is, they're going through an even harder time than I am. So I can, I can take some solace from that. I can take some gratitude from that, right? Like, yes, my, my stuff is shitty, but it's not that shitty. And so I can have some gratitude. Um, maybe it's obvious, but the way that this can be misused is other people have it worse, so I don't have any right to complain. 
right? Like my problems are so piddlesome. I, why am I even depressed? Why am I even anxious about this? Like other people are starving and here I am worried that, you know, my boss doesn't like me, right? When I have a job and a house and a way. So the idea is certainly not to put yourself down, not to invalidate your own struggles. It's simply to find ways to have gratitude. So uh, again, like I said, there's kind of two flavors, two ways to do comparisons. The one is comparing yourself to other people. Uh, the other way is to compare basically to yourself at other times. Um, this may not always be true, but often when we're struggling, if we think hard enough about it, we can realize this isn't the worst I've been. Like I have had harder times in my life. Um, or um, I've had times where I handled what was going on in my life less well, less healthily. Um, and so that can be a way that, again, I, it might be a little bit easier uh, than comparing yourself to other people to avoid doing it wrong. Um, the focus still is on finding some gratitude. Um, also, when you're comparing it to yourself, it might allow you to do a little bit of like, I don't know, patting yourself on the back, like, look, I'm handling this better than I would have if it had happened to me a year ago. Um, you know, things like that. Um, it is not a, look, lady, you've had it worse than this, so fuck up and get over yourself. Yep. <laughs> that is not the idea. I feel like with comparisons, uh, at least half of what I want to get across is what it isn't. <laughs> because it's, it's a, it's a, it's tricky. That's what I would say. So, um, yeah, comparing yourself to other people or comparing yourself to yourself at other times. Um, are the two ideas for comparisons and the pitfalls are you know watch out that you're not invalidating yourself that you're not putting yourself down that you're not minimizing your own struggles or you know saying that you shouldn't even bother yourself or other people with them right we want to make sure that you're staying validating you're staying kind to yourself you're just maybe adding in a, a soup song a tiny bit of gratitude and that can help you weather the hard times that are going on a little bit more easily. Do you have any other thoughts on that, Michelle, on that tricky, tricky one? <laughs> yeah, I think you talked about it really well. Something that had just occurred to me while you were talking about it is because I just talked about the first C of contributing, and then you're talking about the C of comparisons, and that if we're, you know, using comparisons I, get, I don't even want to use the term correctly, but like you I said, know, when I it's not that. like being used as a shame tool. <laughs> um, using it effectively? Effectively, no. sure. Yeah, effectively. We'll do that. I think that works. <laughs> when we're doing this effectively, it may lead to us wanting to contribute. Be, and also I think about, um, you know, this idea of community and how I feel like sometimes when we're seeking out community for something that we might be struggling with, like it, whether it's through like an online forum or a support group or whatever it is, but when we're surrounding ourselves with other people who may be struggling with the same thing that we're struggling with in the same boat that we're in, <laughs> um, some ways I feel like that can be a healthy you know, way to practice comparisons is because you're hearing other people's stories. You're finding maybe the similarities in your stories, finding the differences in your stories. And, you know, inevitably, you're probably doing some comparing. 
and that there can be a sense of comfort that really comes from that of hearing where like oh this person and I can really relate oh that person's been through whoa okay you know um but it can give us a sense that we're not alone and I think that's the thing if you're feeling really alone when you're practicing comparisons try thinking of it a little differently um <laughs> because I think the goal would be that it helps you feel either more positively towards yourself like you were talking about really nicely Kate of like comparing your current self maybe with your past self then maybe it serves as an opportunity to see how you've grown or maybe it serves as an opportunity to realize like I am not alone um and yes some people have been through things easier than me some people have been through things harder than me <laughs> but regardless I'm not alone and again maybe how can I use my experience to consider contributing and helping people who may be in a worse spot than I am so yeah cool all right on to the E halfway through um so the E stands for emotions and I don't want to just summarize this really quickly and gloss over it but go listen to our opposite action episode if you have not already <laughs> because that's basically what the e in emo standing for emotion stands for in the context of this accepts skill why are you you're laughing a little bit that was just a great sentence <laughs> i'm articulate i can do this stands for in the standing for the e <laughs> I know. I was like, what am I trying to say here? Better, but it got off to a rough start, that sentence. Yeah, I think this is rough because, like, it stands for emotions, and then it's like, but then what? Yeah. It was just funny. No, that's cool. Um, So, this idea here is, again, it's so much of what we talked about in our opposite action episode of when you realize that you're feeling an emotion really strongly you know yes one route which is a perfectly acceptable great route to take if and when you can is to give that emotion some space to let it express itself to get it out more or less and also because accepts is talking about how you can distract yourself if that's what you're deciding to do the way to distract yourself emotionally is to practice some opposite action. And one of the ways that this would probably most look like with accepts is that if you're having a really hard day, maybe a day that's filled with a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, um, something more in that emotional family, um, then it may be something where it looks like you try to turn to activities or things that you can do that are going to lead to you having a different emotional experience like finding something to make you laugh something silly something funny um this is the way we most commonly talk about this e here with accepts is finding yeah a funny movie or finding something funny on youtube that brings you a sense of joy or books or books. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Kate's like something not screens. Um, <laughs> good reminder. Music. Um, music that can make you feel really more positive, uplifted. Something that will bring you some joy temporarily is what we're searching for here with this E. So 
like with activities, I mean, that can be something that I feel like maybe that's the experience that you get is that it brings you some joy when you're doing the A part of accepts. But the E is really focused on that of like, how can I emotionally give myself somewhat of a break here? How can I temporarily get out of this grief for a little while when especially if it's something that's really consuming you or out of this anxiety that's just eating me up about what's going to happen with this you know stressful situation how can I bring a smile to my face in some way but it really involves doing some opposite action to get there <laughs> yeah anything you want to add on Kate as yes just so much like nicer than about <laughs> how you talk about it like my, when I think about emotions, I think about like hijacking your own nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of it as just such a good point about the preparation piece that I hadn't mentioned which is so true of yeah have that music playlist ready to go of like when I want to you know feel good what's my feel good playlist what yeah what are the movies I can watch or whatever it is have those things ready because you're exactly right Kate in the moment our brain is probably not going to be able to recall or want to do those things very easily but if it's like all right i have it right here <laughs> yes. then it makes it a little work, easier put it on anyway yep yep <laughs> put it on anyway just see what happens and see how distracted you feel with it so yeah cool cool all right are we on to p yes that sounded more awkward than i thought it would um so <laughs> 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 uh, still in elementary school apparently um so the p for accepts is pushing away. Um, a lot of this, I think, for me, this, this part of the acronym, I think is the one that the mo most acknowledges we're not always in a place where we can do stuff. 
stuff, right? Like, well, we might be feeling overwhelmed by grief or, you know, mired in anxiety or, you know, weighed down by depression and find some places where we just can't deal with it. It'd be inappropriate. It would, you know, maybe get us in trouble at our job. It would, you know, we're scare the children we're around, right? Whatever. Like, we just can't do it. Uh, and so the P for pushing away is basically about shelving whatever is coming up for you in the moment. Um, this can look a lot of different ways for those of you who have a really like visual imagination, a really visual way of thinking about things. Well, you're in luck because we're going to do this in the closing moment later. Preview. Um, but <laughs> you can sort of literally visualize putting the thing on a shelf, putting it in a pocket, putting it in a box, doing something with it where it's, you know, out of sight for the moment. Um, in a more you know, people who don't visualize things as much or things like that, you might just sort of tell yourself, you know, not right now, but I'll come back to this later. Um, which, uh, I think is the most, is it the most important? At least as important as pushing it away is don't leave it up on the shelf forever. That closet's going to get full and ugly really fast. Um, so <laughs> part of pushing it away is a commitment to bring it back later, right? Pushing away is not stuffing right? Stuffing is kind of a permanent, nope, I'm just tamping that down. I'm not looking at it. You know, fingers in my ears, la 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 la. Um, right, not going to go there. Pushing away is, you know what, I can't right now. So I'm going to, you know, take this another place for, for the moment. Um, but when I get home or when the kids go to bed or when, you know, I'm not at my friend's wedding, I don't know, uh, like places where it might be. <laughs> you know, problematic to, <laughs> I don't know, do the thing that your emotions are wanting or needing in the moment. Um, after that, I'm going to bring this back, um, and I'm going to allow the emotions to have some space. Um, amusingly, Michelle, just as I was just saying that, I feel like push away actually can sort of segue into the part you were talking about with emotions, mm -hmm. uh, but you, there's an interim step of actually feeling the things, giving them a space for a minute. Um, right, so maybe push them away, you give the emotions some space when it's okay to do so, and then maybe you can segue into one of these other skills. I just think emotions is the last one you said. Um, but, you know, segue into one of these other things to then exit out again, but in a way that leaves the emotions acknowledged rather than just shelving and trying to forget. Mm -hmm. um, so those are, those are my... How I think about it. What about you? Yeah, I think about it in much the same way. You know, DBT tries to make these acronyms. Good job, DBT. Um, but yeah, the P, as I think about it within accepts, is really kind of like this preliminary step to then allow you to do the other things. To then, you know, first push away to then be able to do the activity you want to do, or then be able to contribute, or then to do something to tend to your emotions or, you know, give yourself a break from the tough thing that you've been feeling. Um, push away is, it kind of feels like this intermediate step. And I don't know, I struggle with the fact that they phrase it as push away. Push sounds like so forceful. It really does. Like, push it away. Just, just, just get over there. You know, which is not really the intention behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really is kind of making this mental choice like you're talking about really nicely Kate to shelve it for a little while 
Um, I think sometimes pushing away can also, de depending on the person, depending on the context, how much time you have, that kind of a thing. Um, people writing down like worries before bed. I'm just kind of like, I'm going to put these worries on the list. Yeah. And then I'm going to go to sleep or, you know, journaling can, I think, sometimes look this way, depending. Journaling can look very much like, OK, I'm diving into my emotional experience or it can look very much like I am putting my emotional experience here <laughs> and then I'm going to walk away um, for a little bit. So I don't know. I wish it was more called like walk away instead of push away. Um, <laughs> like gently somewhere else. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Place it to the side to then come back to it. Um, but yeah, in some ways we have to first do this to then be able to fully distract ourselves with some of these other things we're talking about. So, yeah. Cool. All right. We're going to move on to the T. The T, which is, I don't know, my favorite out of these. My favorite. That's my favorite. We both like it a lot. Um, <laughs> because it works you guys um and it's a way to distract ourselves that i think a lot of people don't think about and the t stands for thoughts and basically what it is is how can you i don't want to use the term overwhelm but <laughs> how can you give your brain something taxing to think about that's going to be consuming enough that you're not going to be focusing on that thing that's been stressing you out for days and weeks. How can you really exert mental energy here? And so the way that we do this in our DBT groups, which we encourage you to do, yeah, Kate's making a sad face because we can't do it with you guys. This but do, my favorite thing. It's a fun activity to do in group. And you guys can totally do it on your own time and see how it works. But what we have them do is basically pull out a piece of paper and a pen and we tell them to make a list of as many four letter words that start with L that they can think of as many as they can think of that we give them I don't know maybe even two minutes Five. oh I don't know. It feels like it always goes by really fast. <laughs> um, but we give them a certain length of time. Not terribly long. Yeah, probably about five minutes. And we just say, make a list. Do as many as you can. And then people, you know, start feverishly writing or we see them sitting there thinking before they start writing on their page. Some people get a really long list. Some people get a really short list. It is not about how many you can come up with. It's not a competition. It's not a race. But we ask them at the end of it, we go, now, were you thinking about anything else while you were doing that? And I don't think we've had a single person yet in all the years we've been doing this in group who has said, oh, yeah, I was also thinking about my grocery list. Or I was also thinking about, <laughs> you know, this conversation I need to have with my partner later tonight. Or everyone's like, <gasps> no. I wasn't. They were solely focused on just thinking about four-letter words that start with L. <laughs> so that's There's one of example of how this can look. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's a ton. Um, and if you do this on your own, you can do it for as long as you want to. You can do it with any letter of the alphabet that you want to, or any length of word. You can pick three letters, five letters. You know, you can do five letter words to start with F. I don't know. Um, you can do it with anything, but <laughs> yes, I said F, Kate. <laughs> We're so mature today, you guys. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that 
the goal is that your brain is so focused you're not thinking about anything else. So this can look like, um, for me, I really gravitate towards these things, which I didn't even realize that I did, but I really like word searches. Sudoku. Kate hates Sudoku, as we've talked about before. Um, but I really like it, and I think part of it is because of this. When I'm so focused on the puzzle in front of me, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just thinking about that. It's very distracting. It's very all-consuming. I think this is part of why I do like puzzles. If it's a really hard puzzle, I'm not thinking about anything else. Sometimes if it's a really easy puzzle, I am. My brain can still wander. And that's the goal of this, is to pick a task that's going, you know, we don't want it to be horribly stressful for you, but thinking about a task that's hard enough that it really doesn't leave much space in your brain to worry or think about something else. If, you know, you're doing um, a really easy puzzle that, you know, your brain is left free to wander, you know, 10% of your brain's focusing on the puzzle, the other 90% of your brain's focusing on something else, it's not hard enough for the purposes of what we're talking about here. That may be very relaxing and calming, cool, but if the goal is to distract yourself, pick something that's gonna challenge you. Um, what do you talk about sometimes, Kate? Counting backwards oh, by counting threes? backwards by increasing prime numbers. Oh yeah, from like 100? So, yeah, yeah, I think from 100 or 1,000, I don't know, you pick. But yeah, so you, you know, go back by one, three, five, seven, and that's how far I... 11. Think really hard. 13. 11, 13. <laughs> 17. See, we're already thinking about it so much that I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah, no, that's the other one that I think. And I hate numbers. I hate them. But I promise you, I promise you you're not thinking about anything else. Yeah, when yep. you're trying to remember, all right, how, what number am I on now? What's the next prime number? Now doing the math for that and then holding that up. Anyway, yeah. Pick whatever task you want. Um, you know, if prime numbers is too hard, do it by evens or odds. Or, you know, this is like the idea of saying the alphabet backwards. Or I think what people honestly say, like the most stereotypical, this is how you calm down technique out there is count to 10. I think what people are honestly kind of hoping for out of that is that your brain's going to pause enough about the thing you're worrying about to then your brain's going to shift to counting. That's not probably going to take up too much mental energy. So again, it may give you a brief pause. That's cool. But again, if the goal is to distract yourself, think about something a little more challenging than that. Your pick of what that looks like, but... In America, list all 50 states. Yeah, um, and their capitals, which I can't do anymore. Oh, no. I uh, could do it in fourth grade. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Think about anything that uses your brain power and make yep. it a task that again you might not need to do for too long if you do it for too long you might get a headache or wear yourself out so pick a pick a set length of time to do it 30 minutes is probably plenty you can go longer if you want um but try it out we can almost guarantee that if you're picking something you know hard enough for your unique brain that you have you will be wholly distracted yep. <laughs> yeah anything else to tack on added thoughts to that other than to say um because it, again it's my favorite thing and it is of all of the more complicated and interesting and whatever i took you know went to school to learn this shit stuff that i give to clients i think the four letter l words is the thing i get the most constant positive feedback about which racks me up 
Um, but the cool thing about a lot of these, too, um, that, uh, you know, um, Michelle didn't, I don't think you quite mentioned, is that a lot of these are, for lack of a better word, completely portable. Like, yeah. you don't have to be, I mean, puzzles, that's harder, you have to sit down, you have to look at it, you have to be doing a thing. But a lot of these, because they're so mental, you can do them wherever you are. You can be sitting in a doctor's waiting room trying to think of as many four-letter L words as you can, right? You don't actually even have to write them down, right? Same thing with a lot of the math stuff, or trying to list countries, or capitals, or continents, or seas, or oh, who cares, right? Like, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do that no one from the outside has to know or see or have any idea that you're doing. Uh, and you can do pretty much literally anywhere, anytime. And so that, I think, is another cool thing, just kind of in general, about a lot of the things that fit into this skill, uh, is that you may not have to stop entirely wherever you are or whatever else you're doing to an extent. Um, I don't know about you, but I could be sautéing onions and still have my, not, that doesn't use any of my brain, I could be doing the rest, you know, some sort of distraction technique while doing that. Things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's my only other thought is yay portability yeah no that's a great thing to hone in on because yeah the activities and the contributing that's not so portable like we said that can be pretty short term if you want it to be and you also can't just do it at the drop of a hat but comparisons that's you know comparisons even emotions push away thoughts these are things that you can hopefully do almost anytime anywhere yep. to some extent or another Onto the S, the last one. Last one, last letter. Um, so S is sensations. Um, I do want to sort of, well, I guess give a sneak preview because coming up, we're going to be doing self-soothing with the five senses um, for next week, I think, something like that. Um, but uh, that is very much about soothing. Sensations is not, right? When it's it comes about to distraction. It's about distraction. <laughs> which generally means the suggestions for this one are not strictly pleasant. In fact, are often strictly unpleasant. Um, just meant to be more pleasant than the overwhelming distress that you are ostensibly feeling going into it. Um, so there's a lot of different ones here. Um, a lot of the tip stuff that we mentioned, I don't remember how long ago would fall into the, you know, these things, you know, putting your hands or your face or anything really in ice water, holding ice, in your hand as it melts. Um, getting into a cold shower here could count. Um, listening to really loud, maybe abrasive music. Uh, not too loud, don't make yourself go deaf. Um, right, but you know, loud abrasive music could count here. Um, some people recommend like uh, wearing a rubber band and snapping it on your wrist or your arm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different ideas here, um, but the overarching idea is just to utilize intense and uh, honestly often unpleasant um, emotional sensations to kind of knock you out of the state of overwhelm that you are in from the grief or sadness or you know fear or anger or whatever um, that you're in from whatever distress you're needing to tolerate so um, I don't have a lot actually to say about that one other than be safe that's more important than anything else <laughs> so right don't deafen yourself with music don't I don't even know what give yourself frostbite in your hand I don't know uh, right don't don't hurt hurt yourself um and I also think of these as I don't know this one isn't a long-term solution this one is again a derailment 
um, that then I think can kind of get you in a place where maybe you can use one of the longer term ones. So in that sense, a little bit similar to push away. Mm-hmm. So push away, it's not inherently unpleasant. I think most of these are. Um, but, uh, right, so this is kind of a knock your brain off of a track and maybe get you in a place where you can utilize other skills, either other accept skills or other DDT skills as needed. Mm-hmm. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, I think what's also really important about sensations here is this isn't going to work so well if you're not using your mindfulness skills. You know, because, yeah, you can hop in a cold shower. Cool. But if, you know, at least I think for most people, showering does not take a lot of mental energy. And like we were talking about with the T for thoughts, you want to pick something that's going to take up a lot of space in your brain so that you're distracted temporarily. And if you go through the motions of doing something that... Yeah, it's sensational. It's uh, sensationally. Like sensation supposed to be like shocks. Right? Yeah. So yes. Sensation supposed to be a shock. Exactly. In some way. Yeah, it's supposed to shock your system, and if you're not paying attention to that in a mindful way, it's you're not going to get the biggest bang for your buck. You could put it. Um, one thing that Kate and I did. This was years ago now, but I still always remember it. Is we sometimes bring in sour candies to our groups um airheads are a good one um i really like sour candies so it takes a lot for this sensations idea to actually work for me because i'm just like oh this tastes good you know but we brought in some sour candies and again we told people to eat the sour candy to really notice it to be mindful of it and then again ask them the same question you know were you thinking of anything else or just kind of how well do you think this would work for you in the real world and one participant in the group said like that was the first time my brain has stopped in a long time (laughs) when she did that and i've heard also that this can be a helpful um way to stop smoking i am not a doctor i do not know any research on this but i worked at a grocery store a long time ago and i had a couple customers actually who bought sour candy in large quantities and I would notice this, and at one point I was just kind of like, you're buying a lot of candy. And they were just kind of like, yeah, it helps me with quitting smoking. Because they would eat the candy, and I don't know if it just kind of like filled some kind of sensory thing or what, or if it was just distracting. But, um, you know, so you can do this with like hot or spicy foods. I mean, there's lots of different ways you can do this. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of maybe... Yeah, it's not going to feel pleasant, but more of a unique way to try to distract yourself because we can distract ourselves mentally, but this is a way to distract yourself physically yep. with sensations. So, something to try. Yeah. Right. Awesome. What's our homework, Michelle? Um, homework is pretty simple. Like I mentioned at the beginning, this is like a menu. You can do as many or as few of these as you want in any particular order. Um, This is really something to experiment and play around with with what fits for you. So I would encourage you guys as your homework to pick one of these to try. Um, I'm also going to say, I don't know, I don't want to hate on the A and accepts. And also most of us probably have that already. That's probably something that most of us, if you don't, then I would encourage you to play around and figure something out but most of us hopefully have some kind of an activity that's pretty distracting that we're already doing I would encourage you to maybe think about picking one from the other six that maybe you have not tried before or haven't done in a long time to think about 
how you can use that as a way to distract yourself again from a stressful situation that you can't do much about changing <laughs> how can you tolerate it yeah. all right cool closing oh uh email oops email us i almost forgot i was about to say closing moment uh dbt and me podcast at gmail.com send us emails maybe tell us how well using the four letter l words work yeah <laughs> try that out try it out i'm gonna be posting probably many prompts in the facebook group to encourage people to to experiment and play around with these so yeah right, let's okay. see if i can make it through <coughs> a closing moment without having <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Okay, now closing moments. Today. I don't know why. Okay, I'm ready. Okie dokie, everybody. So, as per usual, I'm just going to begin by finding a comfortable position to sit or stand or lay down in. Allow yourself to relax. If you feel comfortable and safe doing so, then you go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to begin by just tuning into our breath. You don't have to breathe any more deeply or any more slowly than you do naturally. It's just about paying attention. It's about noticing your breath how and where you feel it. And letting the sensations of your breath bring you in into your body and into the present moment. And now, I'd like for you to picture yourself standing in front of a table or a desk or a workbench. Some kind of solid surface. And now, I'd like you to bring to mind something you're struggling with right now. Not anything too big right now, not anything too overwhelming, but a situation that is causing you distress. And as you think about that situation, as you allow the thoughts and the feelings and maybe the sensations around it to come to mind and to show up in your body, I'd like you to picture that issue, that struggle, that problem, as somehow taking physical form on the desk or workbench or table in front of you in your vision. It can be a color, or a light, or an object, or a person, or an animal, no limitations. Just that for you, in some way, it is a visual embodiment of whatever this is that you're struggling with. Once you have that firmly in your mind, I'd like you to now begin to picture building a box on that table. The only things that are necessary is that this box be big enough in which to put that physical embodiment of your problem and that it feel like a place where you can safely put it. Where you can really lock it away and trust that it will stay. It won't come out. It will be locked away until you decide to get it out. So give yourself a couple of moments to do this. Really construct what this box is. What is it made of? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do you know that it's safe? Does it latch? Does it lock? 
when it's closed, it does not even have a visible opening, and so you choose to have it there. Whatever works for you, whatever is a fit. Once you have the box built on the table, I'd like you to go ahead and open it up and place your issue, your problem, your distress into that place it into the box, and then close it. Now you know. You know it's in there. You know that it's safe. You know that it's not going to get out. And you also know that you can get it out when you next need or want to. So, once you have it in the box, and the box firmly shut, I invite you to go ahead and Put that box up on a shelf, not too far out of reach, not somewhere you can't find it again, but just an embodiment of allowing it to stop taking up space for your present moment. Once you have your box up on your shelf, I do want you to take a moment and make a commitment to yourself that sometime in the near future, you are going to get it down, you're going to open it up, and you're going to give that distressing issue or problem to the tiny space that it becomes. Just for now, you need it away. Once you've done all that, I suggest you can allow that vision to fall away from you. And then you come back into your body. You might take a couple of slow deep breaths. You might rotate your neck, shoulders, wrists or ankles. Whatever feels good, whatever your body needs. And then let you come back into the room. Then when you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Thanks so much, everybody. Alright, thanks everyone. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.